You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Who am I and why am I here? Well, the Bible answers it. You are in Christ. You will find your identity in Him and what you're on the planet to do. You've got a reason to be here. There's a purpose for you. You're not an evolutionary mistake. You're not here because evolution puts you here. No, you're here because God custom designed you. He made you and he had a plan for you before he first said, let there be light. Your plans will never surpass God's plans. The wisdom found in aligning your aspirations with God's purpose will always be greater than you could ever fathom. Today, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that no matter how well-conceived your plans may be, they will never outshine God's divine purpose for your life. Regardless of life's twists and turns, God's plans will exceed your wildest expectations and always serve to deliver you from your suffering. Let your journey unfold with God by your side. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Genesis chapter 37 as he begins his message, Victory over bitter betrayal. Now let me tell you what the Y advantage means once again. The Y advantage, W-H-Y, Y, the Y advantage, is about the advantage we have in life when we understand God's purpose for us, okay? And that he is sovereign over our lives. God's in charge. If you're his child, he's in charge of your life. Not the devil, not men, not flesh, God. God is sovereign over your life. And he has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you and for me. A plan that he thought about before the world was created. So you've been on God's mind a long time. Now watch this. The why advantage is about the advantage we have in life when we understand God's purpose for us his sovereignty over us, his plan for us, when you get that, then you see the bigger picture. Most people live their lives out never seeing the bigger picture for their life. They don't know why they're here, who they are, why they exist on earth. They just take it day by day, pay the bills, raise the kids, hopefully rack up a 401k, retire one day, and then one day die. They never, never, their whole view is this way, horizontal. They never have the vertical, bigger picture. They never have the vertical, bigger picture, which is God has a plan. And when you understand that God has a plan and what that plan might entail, that's the why, that gives you an advantage. Paul the Apostle wrote, I quoted this last week, I'll probably quote it every time, this is so powerful. Paul says in Ephesians 1.11, it's in Christ that we find out who we are. You wanna know who you are? Let me tell you who you are. You'll find out who you are when you go to Christ. You'll find out who you are. You'll find your identity. You won't be confused about who he made you to be. You won't be confused about your gender. You won't be confused about what you're to do. You will understand that you are custom designed for a purpose on earth, for a plan. God has a plan for you, no matter your mistakes, no matter your shortcomings, no matter your faults, no matter the setbacks, God still has a plan 
And he has decreed over your life and mine that he will perfect that which concerneth me. Amen? Now, let me keep on reading. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard about Jesus and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Now listen to these next words. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. Can you say with me, God's in charge. Not men, not politicians, not governments, not the devil, not man's will. No, God's purpose is being worked out in everything and in everyone. So it is in Jesus we find out who we really are. These are the great big questions philosophers are always wanting to ask. Who am I and why am I here? Well, the Bible answers it. You are in Christ. You will find your identity in him and what you're on the planet to do. You've got a reason to be here. There's a purpose for you. You're not an evolutionary mistake. You're not here because evolution puts you here. No, you're here because God custom designed you. He made you and he had a plan for you before he first said, let there be light. So in the next few weeks, we're going to look at the why advantage in three things, in trials, in warfare, and in weariness. How many of you are a little bit weary? All right, we're going to learn the, the why advantage, how, the, how understanding your why, God's purpose and plan for you, will give you an advantage in trials, an advantage in warfare, and a great advantage when you're weary. So I want to consider today the Old Testament story of Joseph as a prime example of the why advantage in trials. Now, we saw in our text here that he's a teenager. He's 17. And Joseph, when he was 17 years old, had two dreams. God gives dreams to teenagers. That's free. Doesn't matter if you're 17. God, I had some of my strongest spiritual dreams when I was still a teenager. God talks to teenagers. Amen? And so he's a teenager. He has two dreams. As we read, in both the dreams, his family is subservient to him. His 11 brothers and his, even his parents are subservient to him, bowing down before him. Heavy dream. His brothers were not thrilled to hear about that dream. Are you indeed going to reign over us or are you indeed going to rule over us? And I can hear them saying, don't think so. And as we saw, Jacob wasn't thrilled either. Me and your mother, we're going to bow down to you. Me and all your brothers, we're going to bow down to you. What have you been eating before you go to sleep? Now, jumping ahead to chapter 42, verse 6, 13 years have gone by, and we find Joseph's dreams, both of his dreams, coming to pass just like he'd been shown, exactly 17 years later, or rather 13 years later. 13 years later, they're coming to pass, right in front of his eyes. The Bible says a great famine had gripped the world, and his brothers had come to Egypt seeking food, never dreaming that their long-gone brother, who I'll talk about in a moment, what they did to him, was now governor over all the land. They didn't know. And it says in the Bible in verse 6, since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of the sale of the grain, it was to him that his brothers came. And look what it says. And they bowed low before him with their faces to the earth. Everybody say, whatever God says, it's going to happen. 
No matter if men balk at it, it's going to happen. And it says, Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. Now, Joseph's dreams show us something about God. They show us that God knows our future. Catch this, please. God knows our future. He's never surprised. He's never shocked. He's never taken aback. He knows exactly what's coming before it ever arrives. He knows the trials that are going to rock your world before they ever strike. David writes in Psalms 139, not only does he know our future, but he's got it all planned out. Listen to this. You saw me before I was born. And you scheduled each day of my life before I began to even breathe. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before my life began. So God not only sees your future, but he's got it planned and plotted out. He knows exactly what every day will bring. The God of the Bible has a plan for the world, and he's got a plan for every one of his children. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Now, between, between Joseph's two dreams and their fulfillment, a whole lot of trouble goes down. Let me just summarize it. One day his father Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers, who he's been ratting out on. They already don't like him. He's already got the coat of many colors, and he's already had the two dreams. He's already ratted out his brothers. So Jacob, who's also a little bit stuck on stupid here, sends Joseph right into the mouth of the lion. He says, go check on your brothers. And when the 11 brothers see him coming, they do not have a warm fuzzy. They conspire to kill him. They hate him. And when he catches up to them, here's what they do. They grab him. They rip off the coat of many colors that they so resented because it represented Jacob's partiality towards Joseph. And they throw him into a deep pit that he cannot climb out of. He's down in a deep pit. His brothers, all of them, looking down in the pit at him. Is this a joke he's thinking? Are they about to pull me out? Guys, this isn't funny. But they have no intention of getting him out. The Bible says they're so hard-hearted, they go off and open up their sack lunches. And they start eating lunch while he's down in the pit. No doubt claustrophobic. He can't get out. His mind is racing. What is going on? They're going to leave him there until he dies. But Reuben persuades them not to kill him. Reuben and Judah are the two that are instrumental in delivering Joseph. Reuben, don't kill him, let's take him out. Judah, let's sell him to Midianite traders. And so here comes a caravan of slave traders. And they sell him to the Midianites. They sell their brother up the river. Please get, get the reality of this because this is the blackest day of Joseph's life. The Midianite traders shackle him. We know this by the Psalms. They shackle him. They put him probably in some kind of a cage in the back of the uh, cart. And he's carried off with his 11 brothers staring at him, watching him go. Now he knows this is no joke. They're not playing with me here. This is real. He's taken all the way to Egypt. What a lonely ride that was. What a terrifying ride that was. He's taken to Egypt. 
And in Egypt, he is put on a slave block. And on the slave block, he's sold. The Bible says that Potiphar, a captain of Pharaoh's army, sees him and purchases him and takes him home as a slave. Now, I want you to stop and think about the homesickness and the emotional heartbreak that this young teenager was experiencing. Amen. The dreamer, the one God had spoken to clearly with dreams. Now he is in hell on earth. What in the world is going on? Where's the God of my dreams? Where's the God that gave me those dreams? This doesn't look like my dreams to me. They're not bowing to me. I'm bowed to them. The hardened faces of his own flesh and blood brothers watching him carried away in chains was burned onto his mind. Meanwhile, those same wicked brothers get a load of this, fed their father the terrible lie that Joseph had been eaten by wild animals. Can you imagine being told that about your child? And they let him live with that lie for 13 years. Wicked, cruel. Jacob went to sleep how many times trying to put out of his head what must have been the final moments of his beloved son when it didn't even really happen. But the Bible makes it plain, please hear me, that God was at work through the whole thing. Now, you got me now? It's fought track with me. God was at work through the whole thing because Joseph was his and he'd given Joseph these dreams Joseph had a call on him, a purpose for him, a plan for his life. And even the wickedness of people did not stop God's plan from coming to pass. The Bible says in Psalms 105, 17 to 19, watch this. Then he, God, sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Who sent him to Egypt? I thought it was his brothers. I thought it was their plot, their scheme, their plan. I thought they sold him up the river. No, no, no. Here's, here's the power of the sovereign God. He takes even what wicked people do and he makes it serve his purpose. And so it says, then God sent somebody to Egypt. Who? Joseph. God sent Joseph to Egypt. The brothers would have said, we did it. Joseph would have said, they did it. But God said, no, 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 no. He's mine. I did it. See, he's ordering your steps today. If you're his child, and most everybody in here is, he's ordering your steps no matter what people do to you. What people do to you or don't do to you and how you're treated by others does not stop the mighty hand of God. He just said, I'm going to make that work together for the good of those that love me and are the called according to my purpose. Nothing can stop God's plan. Can you say that with me? Nothing can stop God's plan. Come on. Now, right when you think things can't get any worse, they get worse. The Bible says Joseph was handsome. He was, he was a looker. He was a good looking guy. And eventually Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And when he refused her advances, she falsely accused him of sexually assaulting her. And Potiphar threw him into prison. I've often wondered, did Potiphar really believe her? I don't know. Doesn't really matter. I just kind of think he looked at this whole situation and said, something about this doesn't ring true, but I better put him in prison if I want to stay in peace at home. 
So Joseph is thrown into prison for something he didn't do. Thrown into a dungeon, an Egyptian dungeon, for something he didn't do. So he goes from a slave caravan to a slave in uh, an Egyptian's house and from there on down into an Egyptian prison. Not very promising. Where's the dreams? What's going on here? More betrayal, more abuse, more unfairness fall upon Joseph. But that did not mean God was not with him. And can I apply that to us today? We, we have a tendency of looking at somebody going through trials and we say, well, I wonder what they did that has grieved God. I wonder what they did. What sin is in their life? Like Job's counselors. What'd you do, Job, to get all this on you? But the fact is, sometimes somebody going through all kinds of trouble is a clear indicator that God's hand is on their life and Satan is attacking their life. But I got news for you. God's plan will come to pass. Amen, amen, amen. Not only has he been rejected by his brothers and sold into slavery, but now his sterling reputation has been stained and sullied by a scurrilous lie. He's in prison now, the dreamer. Now, while he's in prison, Pharaoh, king over all of Egypt, threw two people in the prison with him, his chief butler and his chief baker. And they both end up in prison. And Joseph's making his rounds because he's been put over the jail. The, the, the warden has seen God's hand on his life and God favored him even in jail. God favored him and he's over all of it. So he's making his rounds, making sure everybody's okay. And he sees the chief butler and baker with troubled faces. He said, what's wrong, guys? They said, well, we had dreams. Joseph said, tell me your dream. Somewhere in what was happening to him, he began to learn his gift and cultivate it. He said, tell me the dream. And they told the dream. And Joseph said, let me interpret it. The chief butler, you're going to be restored to your position under Pharaoh. But the chief baker got bad news. You're going to be hung. The chief butler greatly appreciated a prophet. The chief baker, not so much. But the Bible says it came to pass just like he said, just like he predicted. And Joseph asked the chief butler, right before he was restored to his position under Pharaoh, he said, please remember me. <laughs> Do you hear it here? Please remember me. I've done you a favor. I've ministered to you. Please remember me. Do me a favor when things go well with you. He said, mention me to Pharaoh so he can get me out of here. For I was kidnapped from my homeland. He's telling the truth. I was kidnapped, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve this. But the chief butler callously forgot about him for two long years until Pharaoh had two dreams, and nobody can interpret them. And the chief butler goes, wow, I forgot, Pharaoh. There was a guy in the jail that predicted exactly, that interpreted my dream, that I'd be restored to my position. And Pharaoh said, get him now. Now here's Joseph in prison, and all of a sudden he's told, Pharaoh wants to see you. Well, that means either I'm about to be killed or something's going on I don't understand. So he shaved, he combed his hair, he put on his prison best. And he's brought right in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I had two dreams. And I hear that you're an interpreter of dreams. And Joseph had cultivated his spiritual gift. In the midst of all of these trials, he had grown spiritually where his gift was to interpret dreams by God. 
And he told him the dreams, and Joseph nailed the interpretation. He said, a great famine is coming to the whole world that's going to last for seven years, and there's going to be seven good years to prepare for it. And amazed by his supernatural insight, Pharaoh set him over all the land of Egypt, second only to himself. So you ready for this? He went from gutter to glory in one day. He went from pit to pinnacle in one day. Everybody say promotion is in the hands of God. And right when it looks like you are in and there's no way out and, and you're stuck and, and, and there's no exit door and how, how is this ever going to change? Listen, God can open any door. God will make a way where there is no way. And when God gets ready to promote you, not man, not devil is going to stop it. He's going to bring his plan to pass. Amen. Now, the million dollar question. Here's where I want to go with this message. How did Joseph, everybody, he's a human being like you and me. How did Joseph deal with what happened to him? During those long trying years, let me ask a question. How did he emotionally survive it? And here's another one. How did he emerge with his faith in God? Because it looked like everything he had dreamed, the opposite was happening. Everything God showed him, the opposite took place circumstances did not validate or confirm his dream. How in the world did he emotionally survive his brothers selling him into slavery? Slavery. And never coming looking for him. Never. Here's 13 years have gone by. They've never come looking for him. They never said we shouldn't have done that. Let's find out where they took him and go find him and bring him home. Never. How do he deal with that? And, 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 and God, how have you let all this happen to me? Where are you, God? I thought you were in charge of things. How has all, uh, all these things befallen me? How, how, how has all this happened? Where are you? Where were you? Uh, I had my faith in you. You gave me those dreams. It goes to show you that when God gives you a call, when God gives you a purpose, and all of you have a call and all of you have a purpose, that when there's a purpose and there's a plan, sometimes between, between A and B, there's a long gap where God is dealing with you, teaching you your spiritual gift, humbling you, preparing you for the moment that he's going to say, come up hither. The Bible tells us how he survived. After his father Jacob died, his brother said, uh-oh, dad's gone. So now we are really terrified he's going to take vengeance on what we did. Dad being here restrained him, but dad's gone. And his brothers went to him and said, hey, please don't hurt us. Now listen to what he said. Joseph, listen, he didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the blood. He didn't have the teachings of Paul on forgiveness, teachings of Christ on forgiveness, none of that. And yet God's hand was on him. Look what he said, don't be afraid. God turned into good what you meant for evil, for he brought me to this high position. He brought me to this high position I have today so that I could save the lives of many people. Catch this, everybody. He brought me here, and here's why that the lives of many people could be saved. 
What a beautiful message from Pastor Jeff. In today's message, he emphasized the importance of integrating the Lord's love into all facets of your life. No matter what tribulations you're going through, tapping into God's love is your greatest guiding force. Invite the love of the Lord into everything you do, allowing it to provide purpose in your pursuits. Whether big or small, incorporating the strength of the Lord into everything you do couldn't be more important. We'd love for you to have additional resources. Here's Diane with more. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. In the face of opposition, what do you do to remain committed to the Lord? When the world is pressuring you day and night to leave the Lord's wisdom behind, how do you overcome? In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that nothing will ever beat the word of the Lord. If you want to be assured in what you know to be true, hide God's word in your heart. Just as Jesus beat down Satan in the wilderness, you can beat anyone with God's perfect pages. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Genesis right here on Hardwired.